Blog Talk Radio. Rifleman Radio Show on Appleseed Radio. We're glad you decided to join us this evening. The Appleseed Radio program is sponsored by the Revolutionary War Veterans Association. It's part of the Appleseed Project, bringing rifle marksmanship, American heritage, American history to your fellow Americans, getting them off the couch, getting them involved in their lives, getting them involved in safeguarding the freedoms and liberties that this nation is providing for them. We're going to start with the the upcoming events. Uh, we've got a lot of uh, of upcoming events uh, just sitting there waiting, just waiting for folks to uh, to gather in and uh, attend. <clears throat> All right, with the weekend of February 20th, 21st, we've got Buckeye, Arizona, Carlsbad, New Mexico, Castro Valley, California. Eureka, California, Mannheim, Pennsylvania, Mayaca City, Florida, Piru, California, Sacramento, California, Sherburn, Louisiana, Yanceyville, North Carolina, which brings us to the weekend of February 27th and 28th, which starts in Albion, New York, followed by Cedar City, Utah, Chaplin, Connecticut, and Davila, Texas, Enfield, New Hampshire, Fountain, Colorado, and Ramsar, North Carolina. That takes us to the first week 
of March. That's the 6th and 7th, first weekend. That begins in Fresno, California, Gaston, South Carolina, Hawkinsville, Georgia, Oklahoma City, Pittsburgh, Kansas, Red Bluff, California, Tacoa, Georgia, Waterman, Illinois, which brings us to the weekend of March 13th and 14th, which starts in Birmingham, Alabama, followed by Henderson, Minnesota, Racine, Wisconsin, Williamston, Michigan, Augusta, Georgia, starts the weekend of the March 20th, 21st, followed by Canton, Mississippi, Colebrook, Connecticut, which, let's see, now we're still in the weekend of the 20th and 21st of March, followed by Corpus Christi, Davila, Texas, Escondido, California, Lancaster, Ohio, Lobelville, Tennessee, Mannheim, Pennsylvania, Osage Beach, Missouri, Peru, California, Sacramento, California, Stinson, West Virginia, Yanceyville, North Carolina. That takes us to the weekend of the 27th and 28th of March, which will start at Amarillo. at the indoor range in Amarillo, Texas. Buckeye, Arizona, Evansville, Indiana, Miamisburg, Ohio, Mayaca City, Florida, and Ramsar, North Carolina. <clears throat> All right, that takes us a full month ahead. <clears throat> if you are planning on attending an Apple Seed event, what you need to do is make sure that you uh, go to appleseedinfo.org or rwva.org. That will take you to the homepage. On the homepage there... In the top left corner, you'll see a tab that says Appleseed. Click on that. You'll get a drop-down menu. On that drop-down menu, select Schedule, and that will take you to the page I'm looking at. Now, once you get to that page, the events are listed by month and then in alphabetical order by the cities and then by the dates. Now, you look at the events and you decide that you want to on which one you want to attend, and then to the right of that event, of those dates, will be two hot links. One says information, and one says register. Okay, that first one, information, that tells you information about the event locally, uh, where it's being held at, uh, what the range capacity is, direction to the range, uh, local regulations, etc. Right next to that is the register link. The register link will take you to the third-party Eventbrite software that does our registrations for us. <laughs> When you've decided that you want to attend an Appleseed event, we really want to encourage you to pre-register. Once you've decided uh, where and when you want to go, go ahead, uh, pull that trigger, and get the uh, event scheduled. When you pre-register, it does two things. One, it makes sure that you have a place on the line. Uh, just minutes ago, as I was getting ready for the show, I got uh, several emails in. One of them was uh, listing the... Uh, April 17th and 18th weekend events that are already sold out, okay, sold out. That means you can't get a place on the line at a couple of events now, even if you wanted to, because we're sold out. Now, if we can get additional line, uh, additional room for shooters, we will always attempt to do so. But you know what? We won't be able to do that if we don't know we need to. The only way we'll know we need to do it is if you pre-register. Number two, when you pre-register... It really helps us because 
you see the number of events that I just listed for uh, a 130-day period. That is a lot of events. Now, for you as a shooter, it may not mean that much, but for us as an organization, it means quite a deal because we have to figure out how to get folks to all these events, get them a place to stay, get rental cars. So we've got flights that we have to prepare. We've got uh, hotel reservations, rental cars. Uh, we've got to make sure that we get enough supplies to each of these locations uh, for all the folks there. The only way we're going to know how many instructors we need to send, how, many, uh, how much gear and stuff, is by looking at the pre-registration numbers. So please uh, take a minute over the next, uh, the course of the next uh, week or so, look out ahead at the schedule, see what events you want to attend. And while I'm, while I'm mentioning this, let me also speak to the instructors that are listening. Uh, you folks that are instructing, make sure that you, uh, that you take a minute to look at the instructing schedule in advance and go ahead and put your name down on the events that uh, you want to do uh, in the uh, upcoming year because that helps the, uh, the organization internally Make sure that we have events staffed and uh, where we need to get folks to, et cetera. So when you want to go to an event, to an Appleseed event, go to appleseedinfo.org. takes you to the home page. On the home page, look up in the top left-hand corner. You'll see the tab that says Appleseed. Click on Appleseed. That will bring a drop-down menu that says Schedule. On Schedule, click on that, and that will take you to that page uh, that I was looking at, and it will give you the listing of all the events by cities, by date, and then click on register and pre-register for the event. That will make sure that you have a place on the line and that we have folks uh, scheduled, enough folks scheduled to be there, and enough gear for the folks that are there. Now, several times it has happened that, that we've had events that were selling out. Now, we saw this, and we saw it in a couple of times there were events that had actually sold out. We saw this. We scoured the local area, and we actually came up with more line. But as I said, unless we know in advance that we need to do that, it ain't going to happen. You're going to show up at the event, and you're going to find out that there's uh, no room on the line for you. So make sure, once you've decided that you want to attend an event, look at the schedule, figure out the one you want to attend, and then pre-register for it. Lock it in. Pull the trigger on it and get the dates locked in for you. <clears throat> All right, we're going to have a uh, – we've got a really great show this evening. We've got uh, a guest for tonight is uh, Masad Ayub. He is uh, – he spent uh, the last 40 years involved in the shooting sports and – uh, self-defense industries, uh, and uh, he has a wealth of information under his belt from this. <clears throat> he attended an Appleseed event at Hernando County, Florida recently, and uh, he wrote several great articles on it. <clears throat> He's our guest tonight, and uh, I put on the homepage, on the show page, I put the links there. If you look for on the uh, the Rothman show page, you'll see the links there for the uh, uh, Masada U group, and then also for the Backwoods Home blog uh, that he does. And then there's also uh, uh, links there to several of the podcasts. So on the forum, I also put the uh, the information on the 
the post that I did for tonight, and uh, and you can find you can listen to the podcast there from uh, the uh, Pro Arms Podcasting Network. Now I talked to uh, Mr. Ayub's uh, assistant, his partner, the other day about uh, about us possibly moving or doing uh, part of the program over there. I'm also working on getting uh, the uh, Appleseed, the Rifleman Radio Show, getting it rigged up for podcasting. Now I, I have to admit that this is something that I thought was already uh, that it was already able to do. I thought you could already download the shows to your iPod, etc., and listen to it at work. But uh, I guess that's uh, I guess that's not the case. Somebody had uh, emailed me uh, this last week and asked about that. They said they couldn't do it. So I'm working on getting that done because, uh, if you're like me, I, I can't listen to uh, I can't listen to the radio that much, uh, or uh, I'm not inside able to listen on my computer. Let me put it that way. Uh, I have to go out, and usually I'm in a tractor uh, out in the middle of nowhere, and I don't get any reception even for any of the local radio stations. So I myself would like to download uh, the show sometime and uh, listen to it as a podcast. I know a lot of people listen to uh, podcasting while they're at work and uh, or on their drives into work, etc. So that's something that we're working on on getting set up. Now, uh, I've been working the last uh, couple of weeks on getting on making sure that we have. Uh, uh, guests lined up for the next month or so. And uh, I'll give you, give you a quick rundown right now on the guests that we have. We have uh, in the upcoming weeks, next week, which is the 16th of, I mean, the 23rd of February, we'll have Jack Spierko from Survival Podcast. He'll be speaking to us about. Uh, about what a rifleman needs to do in order to make sure that uh, he's prepared for any eventuality for his family, his community. The week after that will be Tuesday, the 2nd of March. And uh, that evening we'll have Poker Face, which is a band that plays uh, Freedom and Liberty music. And uh, they're going to be on the show to talk about, uh, about why they've been playing that type of music for the last 20 years. And uh, we'll listen to some of their songs. Uh, also, <clears throat> all right. What I'd like to do now is uh, is bring on Mr. Ayub, and uh, and let's get started. Uh, Mr. Ayub, welcome to the show. Hey, it's a pleasure to be there, Michael. Please just call me Mass. All right, Mass. Uh, this is part of my my Texas habits. Uh, <laughs> I call. As a recovering Yankee myself, I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I. Uh, uh, I'd like to welcome you to the show, and, and thank you for taking the time for doing this. Uh, oh, it's my if, pleasure. It's something that's important to all of us. Well, if anybody, uh, if anybody, I took a look at your bio during the last week, and uh, I'm not sure how you even fit in, uh, like, uh, even breakfast or lunch uh, into your schedule, because you've been really active uh, over the last 40 years. I mean, uh, you've you've been very involved in uh, shooting, uh, education, 
the safety education of shooting, the self-defense uh, education, and uh, and uh, you just have had a very long career. Uh, can you tell us a, a bit about, uh, and I'd like the history of what you've been doing over the last few years? Yeah, uh, briefly, been writing for the gun magazine since 1971 uh, with a bunch of articles and books uh, between then and now. Thirty-some uh, years as law enforcement editor for American Handgunner, and a similar period as handgun editor for Guns Magazine. I've uh, been with Combat Handguns and Guns and Weapons for Law Enforcement for quite a while, and for the last 15 years I've been the gun editor for Backwoods Home Magazine. I also appear on the uh, personal defense TV show on uh, Sportsman Channel. Uh, make most of my uh, living and spend most of my time teaching firearms. Uh, <clears throat> firearms instructor for law enforcement since the early 1970s and for armed citizens since 1981. Uh, expert witness work for about 30, 31 years now in uh, weapons-related and use-of-force-related cases, criminal and civil. And that's uh, that's what your new organization does, the Masada Ayub Group. That's what uh, that's basically where you're working with that group, right? That's correct. Uh, Masada, it's http uh, masadaayubgroup.com. Right, and I put that a link up to that on the uh, on the show page here and on the forum. <clears throat> also to the Backwoods Home Magazine uh, blog that you do, and then the podcasting. Now, is that uh, done by you, or is that done by your your partner? Uh, Gail Pepin is the producer and editor, and she's got seven more of us here on staff that uh, kind of work together, rotating and doing roundtables on the Pro Arms podcasts. Okay, I put links up to the uh, Pro Arms broadcast and to the Gun Rights uh, Network also. Uh, Gun Rights Radio Network is a great location. They've got about 15 of the gun-related podcasts now. And we'd love to see the Appleseed Radio Show join them. Well, I sent uh, I sent the fellow an email today, and I plan on talking to him tomorrow about that, about uh, getting that done. I have to admit that uh, I have so many things to do that in the course of the day that a lot of stuff uh, slides by me, and I'm not the uh, I'm not the best as far as tech. I have my my adult supervisor my wife, uh, that is my technical advisor. She's the one that does all the tech stuff for me, uh, does the uploads, downloads, and stuff. I mean, I, I've been learning uh, to do it as much as I can, but uh, if she's willing to do it, I usually let her do it. And uh, I well, thought that our me. show was... <laughs> yeah. I thought our, our show was already... Uh, that you were already able to download into podcast, but I guess it's not. So that's one of the things that I'm going to try and work on and get... Uh, available to the folks is the ability to podcast the show. I don't know if that means that I can do that here or uh, or if I need to move to another uh, network for that. You know, we've had uh, difficulties uh, over the last uh, six months or so here on Blog Talk, and I, I don't know what the answer to that is. So, well, we, we talk about, uh, at the APSI program, you know, we talk about, Rifle marksmanship, American heritage, American history, and we draw folks in uh, with the the goal of getting them to learn more about the fundamentals 
of rifle marksmanship. And uh, we get them to come to an event, and I, I tell you, I have to... I have to say that I think that we have one of the absolute best fundamentals of rifle marksmanship programs uh, in the United States. Well, Michael, I have to agree with you. Uh, when I was attending the one in Hernando, I attend a number of firearms training programs a year. You know, it's kind of a busman's holiday. You, you always want to see how the other guy in the business does it. Right. And out of one corner of the eye, I was watching the instructors. And I was extremely impressed in every respect. Uh, to a person, they were absolutely patient with even the, uh, you know, the slow learners like myself. They were very, very accommodating to anybody who had any sort of physical disability, ranging from bad knees to bad back to weight problems. And particularly, I noticed an excellent eye for diagnostics and a, a very encouraging approach to corrections. So I would definitely have to give them an A from the instructorship side of it. Uh, well, we curriculum development side of it, I was very pleased to see how much you guys had had refined it to be able to get in as much as you do in only two days. And I was particularly struck by the the mix of history, of patriotism, of heritage. Uh, to me, I I think the high point of it was the history lectures. And that's coming from the guy who's the gun guy for the magazine that sent him to write about it. <laughs> well, I tell you, for the instructors, it's the same thing. I I posted uh, either yesterday or day before yesterday. You know, sometimes uh, when an organization is growing, and we're and I, I try and tell folks to remember that we're still in our infancy. Uh, I know that. For myself and for most of the instructors, I'm sure we joke about the fact that it it seems that in Appleseed, time flies by in dog years. Uh, you know, I, when you, you've been with the program two or three years, and it seems like it's been at least 20 or 25, but we're actually in our infancy. And things do change, and things uh, some things need to be tweaked to make sure that we're bringing the uh, we're bringing folks the absolute best program we can, but uh, at the bottom, uh, I'll do whatever the program asks me. I'll, I'll teach it any way they want. I'll say anything they want, as long as I get break. To me, that was the most important, uh, the most important part that we do, and I get that back from the folks who attend. The uh, the marksmanship, the instruction was great, but we love the story. I got much the same. I made a point of talking to some of the folks there and particularly concentrating on the newcomers. And I met no one who was dissatisfied. Uh, the uh, the people, uh, There were a handful who didn't come back the second day, but all of them had made it clear that they'd only had the first day to spare for the beginning. So I, I never saw that as any sign of uh, a failure of the program on the first day. In addition, in Hernando, uh, the folks had to deal with what one of the attendees aptly called monsoon rains on the first day, and some pretty bitter wind for Florida for the second. And they just kept everybody inspired right on the line, focusing on their front sights. And I thought they did a wonderful job. Uh, what, what struck me is I'm an old guy who grew up in New England, and I grew up there in the cold years of the Cold War. And in a community that was less than an hour and a half drive from where Lexington and Concord happened, we got a pretty strong emphasis on, you know, American patriotism and Revolutionary War history and all of that. 
And what struck me was I never saw the lectures delivered with the absolute passion that I saw coming out of the the Appleseed instructors there, nor with the focus on the individual human element, the stories of the individual men and women who made the sacrifices on April 19, 1775. And it just struck me that I'd like to see individual Appleseeders reaching out to the history teachers at their kids' high schools and middle schools and even at their colleges, getting them some information on the Appleseed program, maybe inviting the, the history teachers to come by and attend or at least visit and be spectators, and see about bringing in some of those gifted well-educated speakers that you have in the program to maybe give a 40, 45, 50-minute history lecture on this and, and the high school level and the middle school level and things of that nature. Yeah, I've been doing it for uh, for the local schools here uh, in Central wonderful. Texas. And, uh, yeah, I bet I just you're getting a hell of a reception. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they love it because, uh, because I'm willing to come in and do it, and, and I'll take the whole 45 minutes and uh, – and I give a very impassioned uh, and very detailed explanation of the events of that day, why they did it, why the folks gathered, why they stood there uh, in ranks at uh, on Lexington Green at the North Bridge and Concord and along Battle Road, why they did it, and, and what the uh, results of that were. And uh, the teachers are very receptive to it. I think that uh, any of the instructors who would like to go to any of the schools, I think all you have to do is just let them know that uh, you're willing to do it, and they'll be glad to have you in. Uh, I, uh, I've actually been trying to, uh, I've left a couple of messages for uh, the professor at Brandeis, uh, David Hackett Fisher, who wrote the book that we actually use to teach out of. It's Paul Revere's Ride. I have and, a copy of it sitting next to me as we speak. Yeah, it's that is the most detailed account. And I've, I've read almost every book I could find on the events of April 19, 1775, and he does a bang-up job uh, on it, on the the events of that day, including, if you look at the book, half the book is devoted uh, to the uh, research that he did. So if you want to find out more, all you have to do is look in the back, and you'll, you can find out where the research came from, where you need to go if you want more information on it. I left him a couple of messages because I'd like to him to, uh, to come on the radio show, too, because... That's we're using his textbook to teach uh, thousands and thousands of Americans every year about that date. I think that's wonderful. That's one I'll certainly turn tune in for. Uh, now we do the the instructors who who give the story. They are impassioned, and they're the same the same folks that are giving the instruction in the rifle marksmanship. But the thing I'd like to make sure that uh, that everybody understands is that <clears throat> this is not a uh, this is not an organization that is a commercial organization that's paying our instructors to go out and do these things. We're asking these guys to give up, and and we've actually uh, I, I've, I've never heard of an organization that's been giving this much. We're actually asking these guys, the majority of instructors, uh, to give up. Uh, almost a full month uh, of their lives every year to going out and instructing at these events. It's a grassroots, all-volunteer organization. These guys, uh, out of the passion they have for this, they give up, uh, the majority of them are giving up 12 weekends or more a year 
and uh, they're doing it for the most part on their own dime. We do have we do have limited uh, reimbursements that we give. We fly people. We pay for their their flights, uh, hotel room or rental car, but all the rest of it they're paying for themselves. So Michael, that, that's one of the most impressive things with the whole Appleseed program, and I, I I think it's really sort of reflecting itself in the enthusiasm that it brings from the students. Uh, Zig Ziglar said many years ago that they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And listening to the instructors uh, from Appleseed down in Hernando, it was clear that the passion they brought to it was genuine. And being genuine, that made it infectious. You you could see the eyes lighting up. You could see the smiles on the face and even the occasional tear in the eye of the listeners. And that's something you don't find in a sterile classroom being being taught by the average teacher. Well, I know that there's – I never get tired of telling the story. I tell you, I love to tell the story. I have to bite my teeth not to be a hog and hog it up. I have to, you know, to let the other instructors get, uh, make sure they have the opportunity. Because one of the things about the Alpha program is, the the more you go into it, the the less uh, I don't want to say the less fun, but the more they take away from you. Uh, you know, if you when you come in and you start shooting, you, you get to shoot. You get to shoot, hang out with the other shooters and stuff, and then you. Uh, at some point, you'll shoot to rifleman standards, and then we'll ask you to accept the hat, or you'll ask us. And uh, when they do, they get the instructor's hat. Okay, now they don't shoot anymore. So now they're just instructing. Uh, and as they go up the letter, uh, go up the ladder, then uh, you know, then we get we're 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 taking more and more stuff away from them, and uh, until you finally end up uh, at a high level where you you don't even get to see your friends anymore because. Uh, now, if you get to a certain level, you really can't afford to have uh, like two master instructors at the same place. So, <clears throat> so they're really giving up a lot and dedicating a lot to it. And the passion, I told the instructors, I said, listen, when you tell the story, folks, it, I can guarantee you, almost 99 out of 100 folks are not going to be able to tell you if you got the name wrong. Uh, I mean, I'm sure they'll understand if you said uh, Washington led the British regulars uh, or Gage, uh, you know, uh, rallied the men on Lexington Green. Uh, they'll, they'll, they may get that, but uh, they're not going to the, – the exact dates, the exact names are not as important as making folks understand how important the story is to you. Because if it's not important to you, how could it be or why would it be important to them? And if it's not important to them, then they're not going to understand the reason that we do it. And the reason that we do it is to honor those men and women who gave their lives, their fortunes, uh, in order that we could have what we have today. We could have the, the freedoms and liberties that the nation provides for us today. They went through that. They got shot. They got their houses burned down. Uh, they died by the thousands by the tens of thousands of camp fevers and diseases so that we could have what we have today and that we would never have to do that again that's the whole point of this is that uh, a lot of times Appleseed gets accused of being a militia or being uh, <laughs> uh, you know a, a program that we're trying to in some way uh, raise an army of deterrence and uh, it's exactly the opposite yeah, it's exactly the opposite because 
what the what we try to get across to folks is that the power to change the government does not come from the barrel of a rifle. The power to change the government comes from your pen, from your email, from your telephone. That we don't have to use the rifle anymore because of those men and women on April 1975, because of what they did. And our purpose is to honor them. And by remembering them, we honor them. And they, the folks, overwhelmingly, uh, every instructor, when they get to that point that they're telling the story, they have a deep connection to it. Uh, I can't even tell the story about uh, Isaac Davis, about him leaving his sick children to go and fight uh, whenever he had a good idea he wasn't coming back. I can't even tell that story because I have five daughters, five young daughters. And whenever I start telling that story and I start thinking about walking away from my back porch and looking at my wife and my and five sick daughters there and knowing I'm not coming back, I, I break up. Well, I, I can't even hardly finish it. sacrifice that is much needed. You people are literally doing grassroots history. And I honestly have to say, you're teaching it better than I ever saw taught by professionals. Well, well, thank you very much. What uh, what did you think of the the speed of the instruction? You know, we we talk to ourselves, we talk amongst ourselves about it, and and even sometimes we'll talk to the folks who are attending. We'll say, listen, be on your toes because we've got a lot to give you. And uh, certain people, we've had people before describe the program as drinking from a fire hose <laughs> because uh, we, we we do give so much now. Well, at I, the same I've, time, I've heard we, that description too, and but, I occasionally see it on my own critiques from my students. And my answer is everybody has his cop-out. And my cop-out is uh, I'd rather give you too much too fast than too little too late. I thought you had a pretty good balance going there. Basically, you're... You're taking what some institutions would see as a five-day course, and you're compacting it into two days. That makes it an immersion course. Uh, you're not going to be able to do that with a 10-minute break every hour. That said, though, I think it's evolved to, to where, as I was watching it, between the breaks for the lectures and the dedicated morning break, dedicated afternoon break, and, of course, the lunch break. There was ample time to rehydrate. There was ample time to eat. There was ample bathroom facilities at the uh, Hernando Club, uh, which is an excellent facility, by the way. And I had the sense of a well-oiled machine and people who basically were staying on the clock, getting it done right, and allowing ample time to do so. There was plenty of time for corrections. There may have been some people who didn't take the corrections as well as others. And in any adult ed program, if you will, where everybody's coming in from the outside without prerequisite training in a curriculum, uh, you're going to get some who already have much of it nailed down and will progress faster. You're going to have slow learners and fast learners. You're going to have motivated people and people who are only there to placate Daddy because Daddy wanted them to go. So there will be different learning rates. But I thought your group handled uh, the two dozen people we had there very well. Now, uh, two dozen for that particular facility is half or less uh, what Appleseed Florida Group normally draws in Hernando. And I think personally it was the reports of the horrendous weather that kept most of the stayaways at home. 
Right. And I, was, I was quite impressed with, with the pace, uh, with the delivery, and with the skill application. When, when I sit here and watch a 10-year-old boy nail the postage stamp size 250-yard uh, headshot shingle on your red coat target, by God, brother, I was impressed. <laughs> well, you know, when you mention the weather, I don't know of any other organizations that do it quite like we do, but uh, I never cancel a shoot, no matter what the weather is. And most of the other apple seed instructors uh, that I know of will not either. <clears throat> I do that for two reasons. One, because a lot of folks don't have uh, the Internet. At the very beginning, many years ago, when uh, I think when I had one of the first ones here, and we ended up, they ended up closing a shoot at another location. The guy didn't get the information because he wasn't on the Internet, and he ended up driving, uh, I don't know, uh, 11, 1,200 miles to the event, and, uh, and there wasn't an event when he got there. <clears throat> so I'm always, uh, I tell folks that uh, rain, shine, sleet, snow, hurricane, tornado, that I'll be here waiting for them when they show up. And I've been... Uh, I've been in every kind of weather so far at these events, and uh, we ask the folks. I, I'll tell them, I said, "Look, you can you can quit or you can stop anytime you want." And uh, I said, "But I'm going to go ahead and continue to give the instruction, uh, it, even if it's pouring down rain. If it's uh, we actually had a, an event here in Davila during a hurricane, and uh, each of the targets had to be uh, tied down and then uh, multiple staples to keep the wind from blowing them off." But I tell the folks, I go, listen, you don't want to, you don't want to throw away an opportunity like this. This isn't an opportunity to find out what your rifle platform does in inclement weather, because how often are you going to go to a? Uh, uh, your buddy's going to come over and say, let's go to the range today. I know it's coming down uh, about a half inch to an inch an hour, and the wind's blowing at 25, 30 knots. But let's go ahead and go anyway. Uh, nobody's going to do that. That's but a, heck of a lot easier than a winter bivouac at Valley Forge. Right. And and there's no other way you're going to find out what your uh, rifle system does. Uh, a couple of years ago, I did a, an event at Proctor, Vermont, in the middle of a, I mean, just a raging downpour. And I was using my Garand. And uh, I never fired my Garand in the rain like that. You know, I, I fired my my M16s and everything else and the the rains and the jungles and stuff, but I never fired the Grand. And I found out that when the receiver fills up with water, you squeeze that trigger, it goes off, that if you have properly greased it like you're supposed to, you get uh, a huge, like a mouthful of grease spit in your face. (laughs) End up kind of like Snoopy after a dogfight with the Red Baron? Right, and it's not like it's going to kill you, but I'm telling you what, you get a, a wad of grease in your eye, and your second shot, your follow-up shot, you're not going to be able to make it because you can't clear the grease out of your eye. So that you learn a lot about your, your rifle system, how many rounds you can fire after you've been in the blowing sand and you've, uh, you've gotten two or 300 rounds off, how long your system will keep working in the inclement weather. There's no other way you're going to find out how it does unless you do it right then and there. And the people are willing to stay there in the rain and shoot, which uh, I'm always amazed at. Oh, that's the important lesson. Uh, when when you're shooting in adversity or doing anything in adversity, you learn how the equipment handles it, but more important, you learn how you can handle it. 
Exactly. Exactly. And that's what I tell the folks. I go, how do you, how is your second shot, your third shot, your fourth shot going to be when you're cold and you're wet or you're muddy? How are you going to handle this? How is your concentration uh, level going to be uh, in the rain or in the wind? This is something you have to figure out, how much you can take and how you react, how your body reacts uh, in conjunction with your rifle system. <clears throat> and I'm always surprised that the people do it, but they do. They lay down in the mud and they shoot. That was a, a very impressive group. and in, in the end, the story of any classes and the students and I can tell you, the one I was at, I saw a lot of happy faces. Uh, gauging the enthusiasm, just in microcosm from Gail and I, uh, we had already decided by Saturday night that we were going to take our grandsons to an apple seed in Illinois where they live. So it's, uh, it's clear you're spreading an infectious message, and it's a, it's a healthy infection. How old are your grandsons? Uh, Sixteen... Twelve, and if we can talk their mother into it, we'll take the nine-year-old too. Well, that's going to be perfect for them. Ain't like we've got a shortage of rifles or anything. <laughs> I imagine not. Yeah, the public schools—they uh, don't seem to be teaching the history uh, of our nation like they used to. And, uh, oh, God, it is, it is so sad, you know, to particularly growing up in New England to hear teachers tell you that the Second Amendment is about the National Guard. Oh, my God, when I was a 12-year-old kid in junior high school, you know, I wanted to just stand up and yell, excuse me, if, if this was about the National Guard, in the time of the Revolution, wouldn't the National Guard have been Tories loyal to King George? Are we to assume that the framers of the Bill of Rights, one of the most carefully crafted documents of statecraft in, in the history of the world, did not take that into account when the gunfire of the Revolution was literally echoing still in the ears of the men who wrote the Bill of Rights? Good Lord. Wow. I'm so glad you guys are, are sharing a, a logical message that's grounded in real-world history and logic. Right, and... You know, there's there's the old saying that uh, if you don't know your history, you're doomed to repeat it. And I tell the folks uh, who attend, I, I say, listen, you you have to know your history. You have to know who you are and where you came from, or you're not going to know where to go. If you stepped in this world and you just knew your first name was uh, was Bill, but you didn't know your last name or what you'd done or who your parents were or where they came from, you'd be lost. You wouldn't know what to do because you wouldn't have known what you have done. And it's important that we keep the the story of the Founding Fathers alive and that we let the people know that it's their – it's not just uh, their duty. It's their sacred obligation to continue to remember and honor those men and women and also to ensure that they are safeguarding uh, the freedoms and liberties that the nation provides them. Totally true. It's, it's sad that in Europe people say that Americans don't need rearview mirrors on their cars because they don't care where they've been, they care where they're going. <laughs> and we see that not just in the, the history of 1775 and 1776 and all. We, we see it in 20th century history. Um, 
the, the people who would, you know, strip a public of the right to own firearms in a time when Holocaust survivors are still alive to tell the stories of the horrors that they endured. When the when the men called the greatest generation, the octogenarian and nonagenarian World War II veterans, who thank God some are still alive among us, who freed those people from the death camps, are here to tell the story. Uh, you and Santiana were right. Those who do not learn from history are indeed doomed to repeat it. And we see this. We see this every day. We see this uh, in the in the workings of our government and others, uh, other nations. We see this happening every day. We see this. Uh, I'm not going to go into any uh, political or ideological stuff. One of the things that we try and do at the Apathy Program is is stay away from that, and we actually have a name for it. We call it iceberging, and uh, it comes from the the old analogy we had of uh, of the nation uh, being comparable to the uh, Titanic, and uh, and the fact that even though there were men, they had a couple of guys up in the crow's nest uh, on the Titanic watching for icebergs. Now they didn't have their binoculars because they'd been locked into the uh, uh, they've been locked up, and the uh, I guess the engineer with the key was already in bed. But even if they had, they would see the iceberg, and they didn't have time. They saw the iceberg that was coming. They didn't have time to steer around it. But even if they would have, there was another iceberg behind that one, and another one behind that one. So if we let ourselves get bogged down in pointing out the iceberg, uh, HB such and such, or... Uh, senator so-and-so, if we let ourselves get bogged down in that, then we're missing the the real uh, the real answer to this, which is changing the climate. You can, if you change, when you talk about whether you're going to have rain this week or snow next week, et cetera, et cetera, it's always going to be something different. What you have to end up doing is changing the climate. You have to change the climate of the nation so that the icebergs don't form in the first place, because if you don't, then there'll just be 100 icebergs behind the one you're pointing at right now. Well, it's a point I cannot argue with. Uh, now, you have done a lot of work in self-defense, self-defense education, and uh, i got to say I, I love watching the shows you do. And uh, We had one of the guys comment on the forum about uh, about your... Uh, the delivery of the information. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm guessing you probably heard this before. People maybe comment on it. And uh, my react, my reply to him was, I said, you know, I actually like it because I, I can envision uh, Mr. Ayub uh, emptying a magazine into a, an intruder, uh, breaking another one's neck, and then asking you how your day was or, or asking you to pass a turkey all in that same calm voice, you know. Well, I, I may be kind of flat in delivery, Michael, but I figure if they want drama, they've got Netflix. Uh, <laughs> I'm here to channel information to them. Well, I see myself as a funnel. I'm in a position where I can gather a lot of stuff that most people can't reach and get it to the people who need it. Well, I, I, I enjoy it. And also, it's also very, uh, you know, it's a very uh, calming thing. Uh, like I said, you can <clears throat> I don't envision you as a person that... Uh, uh, that uh, it would let a uh, a situation uh, 
get the best of them. And that's the way you're supposed to be when you're considering uh, uh, self-defense and survival in situations. Now, one of the things I wanted to to speak to you about, because uh, you have a background in this, is is letting folks know how important it is uh, in a survival situation to have the the training, not just because uh, it allows you to make the shot, but because of the way that it changes your method of thinking. When you have confidence in your ability to make the shot, it completely changes your way of thinking in, a, in how to handle a situation. If you don't know if you can manipulate your your uh, your rifle system, if you can make the shot, or if you're not familiar with uh, the, the the loading or the uh, the magazine changes, etc., then it 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 causes a great deal, uh, I think, of problems. Uh, where if you are familiar. Uh, if you're if you're very intimate with your uh, the workings of your uh, firearms platform and your ability to make the shot, that you have a whole different mindset uh, facing well, a situation. I think you're absolutely right, Michael, and you're correct on a number of levels that a lot of people don't think about. Uh, first, at the basic level, if you have to think of the mechanics, uh, where is that button that releases the magazine so I can get the fresh one in? Uh, let's see, is it watch the front side or watch the rear side? Then your mind is not going to be free to make the critical assessments. If the mechanics of the fight, knowing how to, if you've blocked so many punches in the dojo that you can do it reflexively, if you have loaded and unloaded that M16 or AR-15 so many times that you can do it in your sleep, that will happen on automatic pilot when it needs to, and it leaves your mind free to assess the situation, to make the critical decisions. Do I have to shoot this human being to death? Do I have time to take an extra half second and see is that a lighter he's got in his hand or is it a switchblade knife? That's the sort of thing that the ability to do that, to leave the mind free for the critical tasks and let the subordinate tasks function on autopilot is what makes the difference between tragedy and success. Uh, in the early days, one of my mentors, Charlie Smith, uh, the founder of the Smith & Wesson Academy, uh, who did that after he retired from a stellar career with the FBI Firearms Training Unit, he was the one who, to my knowledge, first did the research and asked every instructor he taught, look back at your own department and tell me who is doing the bad shootings. What is the profile of the guy who does it exactly right? What is the profile of the guy who fouls up, panics, and makes the wrong decision? And what he found out, it's, it's counterintuitive, as so many things are. Uh, people who aren't into guns think, well, gee, any cop who's into guns, buys guns in his own time, shoots in his own time, maybe even competes with guns in his own time. Oh, my God, he must be a Rambo, he must be a Dirty Harry, he'll be a liability to the department. And they were 180 degrees off from the reality. What Charlie found in his feedback from instructors all over the country, from small towns to major cities, was that the guys who made the mistakes were the ones who were not confident with their guns. The guys who would only shoot those few times a year when the department literally made them and paid them to go out to the range and do so. And now they're in a scary situation in a dark alley. They've got no confidence, and something in the back of their head says, oh, my God, if I don't shoot him now, I'm dead. And they're the ones who would pull the trigger on the guy who was reaching for his car keys instead of reaching for a gun. 
He found the ones who were competent, who were skilled, were confident enough in their own abilities that in that moment they'd take the extra half second to assess and make absolutely certain that they had to use deadly force. I think confidence and competence intertwine. Uh, if somebody asked me to draw a picture of it, I, I think it would be either a circle or a diagram of the yin-yang symbol. Right. Confidence comes from competence, and once you have the competence, it in turn keeps you calm enough to employ the skills that made you confident in the first place. Right, and we have the folks. Uh, we have the folks on Saturdays going through a. Uh, you know, usually drill after drill on this and uh, getting them used to uh, to loading, to safely loading. And while I'm talking about that real quick, I want to tell you that we uh, – I, I haven't been to uh, a great deal of other instructional programs, but the one from the ones I've been to, comparing them side by side with the Appleseed as far as our safety, uh, I find us to be uh, way ahead – uh, as far as our emphasis on safety, uh, handling the the firearms and our, our safety on the line, etc., uh, we really hammer that uh, into our guys and the instructors and to the folks. So much so that uh, that's one of the points that I use when I'm talking to ranges is, listen, they come to a weekend event with us, and uh, it will give them a background in the safe handling of firearms uh, that will hopefully will last them the rest of their shooting career, you know, here at your range, and it'll be an asset to your range to have the folks uh, to go through an absolute program because of our uh, our heavy emphasis on safety. Well, I agree with you. I thought the safety was excellent. <clears throat> and one thing a lot of folks, uh, particularly the young hot-to-trot guys who get into this, one mistake they make is they'll come to a class, maybe even an advanced class, and say, whoa, 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 I paid good money for this. I don't waste my time on the safety lecture. I've heard that before. And what we have to remind them is we don't know how many of them are ever going to need to use a defensive firearm for its intended purpose. We do know that every day, every one of them is going to be handling that lethal weapon, loading it, unloading it, checking it, taking it apart to clean it, putting it in their holster and putting it away at night. And they're going to be doing that sometimes in conditions of exhaustion, emotional distraction, situational distraction, sometimes in the dark, sometimes with their hands soaking wet with rain or blood, for that matter. And they're going to be doing it in the presence of the people they most love, the, the presence of the people they bought that gun to protect. And we tell them they have got to drill in layer after layer after layer of safety protocols, like one safety net under the other to make it absolutely second nature and keep that unforgivable mistake from happening. Right, and uh, and we tell the guys at the same time uh, on Saturday mornings the same thing, which is you're going to hear us talking about safety, and uh, some of you who have been shooting before, you're going to you may think that we're that we're talking to you in a condescending way, but we're not. Uh, what's happening is that uh, we have all levels of shooters who appear on Saturday mornings, and we don't know what their level is. So you should be thanking us uh, rather than grumbling because uh, the person to your left or right may be a completely new shooter, and I'm telling you, you want them to be safe. If you're next to them on the line, you want them to be safe. And uh, I, I think we do an excellent job of it, and uh, we hammer, uh, we, we constantly hammer uh, the safety uh, all throughout the day.
Now, talking about the confidence and the uh, the abilities, you know, going back to that real quick, you know, I tell folks uh, about the situation at Lexington, on Lexington Green, that that's one of the things, that's one of the reasons that that happened that day, is you have uh, the British regulars who were professional troops, but they were green troops. They'd never been in combat. And then you had the folks, the... Uh, uh, the militia that had gathered, they were citizens. Now, when you have two groups of folks who are both green and armed and standing face-to-face, that's one of the worst situations you can be in. Uh, Much better to have two groups of highly professional combat veterans staring each other down because they don't make mistakes. They uh, They don't accidentally start shooting. They... They don't get uh, excited and shoot at the wrong minute. They, you know, they've they've seen the elephant and they know what they're supposed to do. Now that wasn't the case at Lexington Green. At Lexington Green, the guys were excited. They'd never been in battle, and that caused them uh, to fire prematurely on the colonials who were gathered there. Well, it's a fascinating lesson in history and self-discipline and the importance of training beforehand. Uh, is there anything that you saw at the uh, at the Hernando County shoot that uh, that if you were uh, if you were part of Appleseed that you would uh, that you would like to tweak? About the only suggestion I'd make uh, would be make sure a a rule book is readily available and handed out, uh, preferably beforehand. Uh, lo- looking through all the stuff on the website. Uh, the one thing I did not find was an actual rule book, what techniques are and are not allowed. And it's kind of funny how I learned that. I think it is a funny story. Uh, my first run on the uh, AQT, I had been careless and had not tightened up the mounting screws after I sighted in. And my telescopic sight decided to take a little walk forward on the mount. And, of course, point of aim, point of impact uh, went kind of downhill from there. So needless to say, my first AQT uh, did not go terribly well for score. This was Alpha the... groups, but lousy for score. And one of your sharp-eyed instructors picked that up, spotted it, and diagnosed it for me, and God bless him for doing that. So by right. the time of the second one, okay, now I'm squared away. Now I'm ready to ride. Now I'm going to see if I can get that rifleman's patch. Right. And, and when that I dropped the... down prone, I used a technique I've used since the 1970s uh, that I called Unipod, and I guess... Uh, Appleseed today calls monopod. Uh, I had an extended magazine on the 1022, and just as I would in an AR-15, I used the bottom edge of the magazine as a stabilizer on the ground. Managed to shoot a 232, and as I'm getting up, patting myself on the back, I discover two things. Uh, one of the guys says, uh, "You know, the fourth stage, it's supposed to be two shots on target one, two shots on target two." three on target three, or, yeah, three on target three, and three on target four. I said, yeah, and he said, well, you shot him three, three, two, two. So Mr. Dyslexic here, after the <laughs> course has been adjusted for, winds up with a 216, hanging on by the skin of his teeth to that little green patch. But the instructor says, uh, sir, was your magazine touching the ground when you fired? I said, you damn skippy it was. He said, sir, that's called monopoding. And that's not allowed here. So, 
So I managed to make it on the third try. And uh, I guess the hardest learned lessons are the ones that stick with you. So it taught me, number one, if there's any doubt beforehand, ask. Uh, whoever it was that said uh, it's easier to get forgiveness than permission has obviously never shot in competition. Uh, second, it would be kind of nice if the detailed rules could be readily available to be downloaded and studied beforehand by potential attendees. Other than that, every complaint that I've ever heard on the Internet or anything on Appleseed seems to track back to one of two things. It's either we were uncomfortable, we were out in the sun, uh, it was raining, and the sand in my panties. <laughs> and folks basically just have to understand this is going to be a function of the host range. There are not that many ranges where you can get as many people as want to come to shoot all at once on an apple seed. Uh, there are some where there will be no overhead cover. So Appleseed makes it clear who the host uh, organizations are. Call there and find out, do you have a covered range that provides shade? If not, if you're going to be shooting in a field or a dirt range, Heck, bring a beach umbrella or something to shield you from the sun if you're worried about heat stroke. Uh, wear a cool dana around your neck to uh, keep from overheating. Uh, if it's going to rain, hey, it's you know the year 2010. Uh, we have weather forecasts. Bring rain gear. Uh, bring a dry, an extra dry change of clothes and all of that. Uh, the only other complaint I heard was folks saying, well, I've got a bad back and I've got bad knees and it really hurt when I had to go from standing to sitting or standing to prone. Well, you can talk to any of the ROs who are kind enough not to laugh in my face when I managed to get into sitting, but to get out of it, I had to lay the rifle down and do an ukimi roll to get back on my feet. You know, I'm, I'm an old guy. But they made it very clear to us at the Hernando Appleseed that if we had any problem ranging from joint flexibility to rheumatism to... Uh, you know, an artificial knee to obesity. All we had to do was say so to the instructor, and we'd be allowed to get into the position beforehand, and we were simply constrained from firing our first shot until the rest of the line had commenced fire. Right. And that struck me as perfectly fair and a perfect way to adapt to people in a wide variety of physical conditions. Right, and we well, actually I, I really have, don't uh, see that as a valid criticism of, of Appleseed. Well, we have... We actually have been working on We've got one of our guys, Desert Rat, uh, is a member of the Appleseed Forum, and he is putting together a program for us. God bless him. He's working really hard on this, and I'm going to try and uh, do my best to help him get it pushed through now, called Adaptive Appleseed. And basically the rules for the Adaptive Appleseed are going to be that we're going to do whatever we can to get you on the firing line, no matter what your uh, special needs are, whether you, if we have to build a chair for you, if we have to chop down a fence, uh, whatever we have to do, that uh, we're going to do it, and we're going to get you on the firing line. I, I'm contacted, uh, you know, quite often by folks, uh, especially veterans, that uh, say, listen, I, I'd like to come and, and, you know, come to the event, but to be perfectly honest, I, I got shot the rag dolls, and my body just doesn't work anymore. And uh, I always tell them, I go, look, you show up, and we'll have you on the line shooting. I don't care what it takes. You know, if we have to build a little thing for you, we will get you on the line. We'll get you shooting. Because this isn't, this. the organization is not an organization dedicated 
to competition and winning a patch. The organization is dedicated to helping you become the master of your rifle and at the same time to help you remember what it means to be an American, what it means uh, to stay connected to the ideas of the Founding Fathers and to those uh, to those men and women who helped to establish this nation. So adaptive apple seed is going to be, uh, I think, a really big part of the apple seed program because uh, we want to address the needs of people. You don't have to be missing a limb or to be shot up or blown up or anything else. You just have to have some special needs, and uh, and we're going to figure out a way to accommodate those. Well, more power to you, my friend. If, if you think about it, the the potential student in a wheelchair is the one who's going to need those skills the most down the road. Right, and the thing is, is that uh, you know we've we've talked about this often. Is that in order for us to get all the information out at a regular shoot, we got to move pretty quick because. Because we do have those five days we're shoving down into two, so we've got to get it moving pretty quick. And yet we don't want to, we don't want to steal from the folks who physically can't make it for one reason or another. Now, uh, I've had folks show up on the line uh, missing limbs and uh, and stuff like that, and I'll sandbag them. I'll keep them in prone all day, whatever it takes to uh, to get them going. Or I can detail an instructor to stay with them, to help them load mags, etc. Uh, so we, we do, uh, on an individual basis, try and uh, make the apple seeds as accommodating as possible to anybody that shows up. Now, a lot of times we're not going to be able to slow down all the way, and I know that causes some grief sometimes, and that's one of the reasons that we want to uh, to have this additional program in place so that we can have uh, an event that doesn't run uh, at light speed, like most of them do, because uh, because it'll be uh, able to accommodate uh, the shooters with special needs. So we're working on that right now. <clears throat> well, that's good to hear. You've got a lot of fine minds who really know their shooting and really know their teaching principles. And with all that going and the, the collective institutional experience of Appleseed, uh, you're going to see developments and little ways you can tweak it and little ways you can streamline it. I know you were talking about yourself. As long as the program exists, and any instructor in any physical skill will. Right. You are talking about yourself uh, getting in and out of the sitting. You know, I have uh, uh, five broken vertebrae. and uh, Yeah. And they're broken in a way that they, uh, the, the broken fragments are separated by such a distance that, they, they're, that they're not able to get back together and heal. So... So they're they're messed up, and getting into the sitting position and maintaining it was when I first started was just absolutely horrific. As a matter of fact, uh, I was shooting a grand, and I remember just uh, really all I wanted to do was just con- continue to squeeze the trigger at a rate at the fastest rate that I could that would empty the magazine so that I could stop and get out of the position. So the pain and, would uh, stop. <laughs> and. You know, and it was like that for a while, but after uh, after a week, this was at the one of the boot camps that I went to. You know, we also have, besides the two-day events, we have the eight-day rifleman boot camps. Yeah, and my friend Mike Larney went to one of those and raved about it like everyone else I've heard who's been. Right, and at the end of, by the end of that, I could, uh, I'm not going to say that it was comfortable, and it's still not comfortable now, but what I did get to, which is the most important thing, is a maintainable, sustainable position. 
so I can get into the seated position now, and it's actually my most steady position. I can I can shoot in the seated uh, as steady and at a more rapid rate of fire, of accurate fire, than I can even in uh, prone. So it just takes a while of working in some of these positions to find the one that works for you. Uh, so after a while, you can uh, you, if you can get past the pain, I tell folks, uh, the best thing to do and best thing to remember about uh, how to work out any problems you have is in dry firing. Uh, you know, you go home, you dry fire, and you get down into the seated position, and you stay in it. You don't, don't stay in it more than 30 seconds. Uh, get out of it before your eyes start watering, and, uh, and then that's it. And then the next night you try a little bit more. You can go for 30 seconds. You can go for 40 seconds, 50 seconds, etc. until you can get a sustainable uh, position. Oh, it all makes sense to me. Uh, again, I was impressed with the flexibility of the instructors, not in the physical sense, but in the fact that they were not doctrinaire about it. Uh, they showed alternate uh, variations of standing, alternate variations of sitting, uh, the alternate variations of kneeling if they were unable to take the sitting position, and how to most comfortably get into prone. So I was, I was very impressed with that. All right, well... Uh we certainly got a few callers that would like to. Uh, Let's bring them on. Who are called in, so you know, we'll go ahead and bring them on now, and give them a chance to uh, to comment and to uh, to speak with you. Uh, area code three one five, you're on the air. Three one five three nine five, you're on the air. Oh, hi, Scout. This is Jenny from uh, New York. Well, hey, how are you doing? All right. So, uh, you're supporting the show. And I see you have uh Mr. Ayuba and I've uh I've um reading his article since I was in my mid early teens. <laughs> and uh <laughs> that just means I'm old, son. <laughs> uh, I'm not that old, I'm in my early forties now, so <laughs> No, not you. I'm I no, I'm talking about me. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I'm so old my cruel children say there's dirt younger than me. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's hard. Uh, it's a pleasure to meet you. Well, I'll speak to you. And uh, we were uh, talking about the episode. I joined uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, I'm an instructor in training. That's and uh, and my dad, uh, I have to give a lot of credit to him. He's uh, he's the one that, that taught me a lot about shooting. He was... Uh, combat drill instructor when he was in the Army and shot in our team for a little while. So, Good for him. Um, Thank him for all I had all the basics, all the fundamentals, but I never um, put them together the way that they do with the Appleseed shoots um, or shot the AQT targets to qualify like that. So it was a... Uh, it was a... Uh, it's an excellent experience, and I can't wait to... to at the next one, and unfortunately, uh, being an instructor in training, I, I don't get to shoot the shoots anymore, like like Scout said. But uh, well, I uh, what, what I do is I, I helping everybody else, you know. Well, I, I make sure that uh, if we have uh, if we have enough instructors, that uh, what I'll do is uh, as the days go along, I'll pick an instructor or two, and uh, I'll make sure that they get down in. 
and they start going through the course for two reasons. One, I want to keep them firing because if you uh, if you are not current in shooting, then uh, then it's going to be hard for you to teach it. And uh, and two, you know, that's what folks are there for. They want to shoot. So I, what I try and do is if uh, when things are kind of smoothing out, is uh, I'll make a place uh, on the line available for the uh, IITs or for the instructors to get down and shoot. And then uh, whenever I go over to the actual distance, like when we do the actual distance here in uh, Davila, uh, and we've got, uh, uh, luckily we've got enough space here to go out to 700 meters. But uh, when we're shooting at the uh, the actual distance, then I'll go ahead and put all the instructors on the line, and uh, I'll take the line and run the line myself and uh, give all the instructors a chance to make sure that they're shooting and qualifying at the actual distance. Where's, uh, where are you shooting at uh, next? Um, well, I'm going to be at the Elbridge Appleseed in, uh, in April. Okay. Uh, April uh, 17th, 18th. I'll be there. And uh, I'll probably make uh, a few more this year. But uh, that's going to be my first one, and that's my home range also, so. Okay. Well, did you have anything you want to uh, to ask uh, Mr. Ayub? Uh, nothing that comes to mind, just listening to the show, pretty much. All right. Thank you for your dedication, brother. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Yeah, Thank and I look forward to seeing you. I'll be up in mm-hmm. July, and uh, right. I'll be doing uh, the shoot at uh, Burlington Flats in July. Okay. So if you got, if you're up there uh, around that time of the year and you want to come over there, I'll be I'll be good to see you. All right, look forward to seeing you too. All right, listen, I'm going to I'm just going to uh, uh, to mute the mic. So if you want to keep listening on the phone, you can. Sure. And uh, and thank you for uh, for listening tonight. Thanks for calling in. And uh, be yeah. sure and, be sure and be here next Tuesday. Mhm. Thank you for. Your dedication to the show and all the time and effort that you put into uh, running the episode show here on Talk Radio. All right. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you. All right. Uh, we've got another caller on now. Uh, I don't know who this guy is. Let's uh, let's see if you can tell who it is. Uh, uh, Eric Code 575, you're on the air? Hi, Scout. Hey, how you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. I'm going indoors, so you won't hear the helicopters in the background. Okay. <laughs> Does this voice sound familiar, Mr. Ayub? Well, I don't know. It could be the FBI coming with them helicopters I've heard about. Is it a black <laughs> helicopter? I'll give you a clue. I, I, I think this guy has a big, uh, a big long, waxed handlebar mustache. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sam Damewood, thanks for helping to make tonight's show possible. Oh, thank you for, for, for being gracious enough to come... Uh, Come to an apple seed and to come on the show and give us your insights on it. We really do appreciate it. We don't have the FBI out here, but there's a little hostage situation going on about a half mile down my road. And we've got plenty of doings. <laughs> you know, you say that, but I've had, uh, well, I guess I'd say I'd, I've had at least uh, half a dozen uh, FBI agents at uh, events and uh, you know they were there just to just to learn to to shoot and to and to hear the history and uh, they were very happy about it they enjoyed themselves and uh, you know they did a great job well cops are citizens too let's not forget 
Right, and uh, <clears throat> and they uh, they were very appreciative of the whole thing, and uh, you know they had a, they did a great job there. That's one of the great things about Appleseed is that we do uh, we do make a place on the line for anybody that wants to come and learn, and everyone can benefit from learning the heritage and. and Really, anybody that comes uh, can benefit from spending some time on the range. Even if they know what they're doing, they get a, uh, a little taste back to the fundamentals, a little reinforcement, a little coaching, and everybody uh, seems to improve when they come in one way or another. And That's one of the great things about the program. One thing that me was so many people who referred to it in the Appleseed program as we're not giving you basic, we're giving you foundational. And the understanding of the importance of that subtle semantic difference, I think, is profound. Basic can be linear, you know, going at, at the same altitude across from just slow to a little bit faster and a little bit faster. Foundational means it's going to support the whole rest that you build on it. And it's clear you guys understand that and are sharing that with your students. And God bless you for that. Well, we appreciate you saying that because I had myself a little rant uh, last week on the radio about that. And then uh, Sam Day, he had a little post about it this last week, too, on uh, on the forum because of that very fact is that, uh, uh, and I think a couple of people chimed in on your post, didn't they, Sam, about uh, that one of the things that had kept them from coming to an apple seed for a year or more was they had heard that it was basic rifle marksmanship, and they didn't really want any part of that. Uh, and... Uh, so, you know, Sam and I have talked about this a great deal, is that uh, we're trying to keep folks, especially within the program, from uh, from saying the B word, because there's a, a big difference between the basics of rifle marksmanship, which is what you what you learn, uh, you know, at, uh, uh, at the hunter safety courses, from the fundamentals of rifle marksmanship, which are the things, the tools uh, and techniques that are going to carry you throughout your entire shooting career. Well, it's a true story. If, if you can't read, you can't write. If you can't learn, you can't teach. And if you can't do it slow, you sure as heck aren't going to be able to do it fast. If anybody thinks this is basic and simple, uh, what struck me as a first-time apple seeder looking at you guys' targets was that, gee, it's only 25 meters, and I've got a rifle, but the V-ring on the 400-yard replica target is about the size of the eraser on the head of a number two pencil. <laughs> the V on the 300-yard target means I have to hit dead center on a 9-millimeter shell casing on the base, not the side. The, uh, the 200-yard from sitting is roughly the size of a dime. In fact, a dime actually completely encompasses the outer rings. And for a 25-yard standing, I'm not shooting at a two-liter Pepsi bottle, boys and girls. I'm shooting at the bottle cap. Yeah, yeah, so that's right. It's a, it's a challenge. It's it struck me having shot a rifle uh, literally since I was four years old. So good lord, that's 57 years. <clears throat> you know, uh, the standing. I, I got to tell you, I found it challenging, and I did not shoot a perfect score. Uh, you've had some of the finest riflemen in America shoot the Appleseed AQT. Uh, how many uh, perfect 250-point scores have there been, guys? <laughs> Not a whole lot. I, don't, I haven't seen one yet. I've heard rumors of one, but I haven't seen one yet. And uh, you're right. We're talking about people. We have instructors. We have people who've come through the course, and we have instructors who uh, 
some of them have uh, Heck VA out in, uh, uh, well, in Virginia. Doug, he has uh, almost a uh, half century of competitive shooting, and uh, it's a it's a very difficult course, as you said. Even in the standing position, now the the silhouette itself is is fairly large. It's about the, the size of your hand, but that's not your target. Your target is the center, uh, the circle with the V in it. That's uh, one minute. I mean, uh, four minutes of arc. That's one inch which we still require you to shoot, uh, even in standing. You don't get any uh, pass because you have an unsteady position. We're still going to ask you to shoot at four minutes of arc, no matter what your position is. It's, it's a challenging course. Uh, anybody who thinks otherwise uh, should go out buy some of the targets, uh, download from you guys' website the course of fire, and give it a run for themselves. Yeah, and we don't give, uh, we don't give alibis and... Uh, we don't give any uh, we don't give any stuff for uh, uh, New Mexico wind and uh, and sun. If the uh, if the wind's blowing at 30, 35 knots and uh, and the sun's blazing down, you're still required to to maintain that four minute of arc accuracy. Well, it's, a, uh, it's it's an interesting program. It's a challenging program. I like that you set it up that you can adapt it to so very, very many ranges around the country and make it so much more available to so many more people. Uh, we've looked here at the small town I live in, at maybe uh, doing one on our range, but we figured we could only get about eight people on it. So we may end up doing a mini apple seed uh, once we get a certified instructor in town, which will be soon. And in the meantime, we're referring folks to the one that's uh, going to be about 90, uh, 90 minutes from here in Stark and hopefully we'll be able to feed in some new people there. Uh, we spoke with the Florida Appleseed Group, and they're going to donate a, uh, a free entry, and we're going to see if we can't raffle that off at the next county Friends of NRA meeting, and hopefully in return for that get 10 minutes for someone from Appleseed to talk about the program and see if we can reach out into uh, you know, that logical group as well. Uh, we're all gonna, also going to touch bases with some of the fish and wildlife personnel down here who are involved in hunter safety because it strikes me that Appleseed would be a natural fit for handing out leaflets and stuff and suggesting to folks that to sharpen their safety skills and marksmanship skills that they attend an Appleseed, perhaps even with their hunting rifle. Well, Sam, do you have? Uh, are you guys doing any events at other than ranges locations, you know, like on private land? Actually, we're not. We have a fair number of ranges here, and most of them are public ranges, not private, and we work real hard to keep them at those as much as possible so we can get the widest amount of draw. Uh, that way, even people that haven't signed up for it or heard the advertising, they'll see a bunch of people on the line, and they'll come out, and Shoot Boss will be soliciting people to attend while we're in the middle of having a shoot. <laughs> so we kind of like doing it at the public ranges because of that. Well, that Business is great. <laughs> but uh, but we will we will uh, we'll show up anywhere. You know, we run the whole the operation is a turnkey operation, and uh, we've showed up in empty fields before, and you name it, and we'll set up and uh, we'll do the do the event uh, just about anywhere we can safely have an event. 
I mean, we'll uh, we'll bring everything in. We'll bring the firing line, everything, and uh, and do an event. If you'd like to have one there at your place uh, that you're talking about there, uh, that would be no problem because we have several ranges that are of limited capacity, and uh, we just tell folks that uh, uh, we have X number of slots available for this event, and uh, if you want to do it, then you get on the books and we'll we'll get you pre-registered for the event, and then whenever the slots close, that's it. <clears throat> so if you'd like to have one there, we'd, we'll be glad to uh, talk to you about uh, getting one set up there. Oh, well, we'll look at that down the road. Okay. Uh, Sam, you got anything else? No, uh just like to thank Mr. Ayub for coming on the show and, and uh, being open-minded enough to attend in the first place. It's Mass. Mr. Ayub was my dad. Mass is kind of like Sam spelled backwards. <laughs> okay. Well, listen, I'm going to keep you on the line, Sam. I'm just going to bring on another caller. Uh, area code 405. You're on the air. Hey. Area code 405. Yeah. This is Oki Wino. Uh, and I'm extremely excited to hear about the uh, alternative program. Uh, I'm Oklahoma State coordinator, but I'm also uh, very handicapped. Uh, okay. Listen, so, uh, Oki, do you have your uh, radio playing in the background? Oh, probably do. Okay. Could you could you turn that down real quick? Just turn it off. That work? That sounds better. Much better. Oops. Okay, hold on just a second. Uh, hold on just a second. Okay, I got... Uh, there we go. All right, you're back. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, well... Uh, well if you would like to start working on one, then uh, then you can start talking to uh, Desert Rat about it, and uh, and we can start uh, getting uh, getting that set up there in Oklahoma. Great, great. And I just I want to tell Mr. Ayub how much I've appreciated him over the years and his uh, insights and advice has been extremely helpful. Uh, I've probably been. Uh, paying attention to him for maybe 40 years. So. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. It's very kind of you to say so. Uh, well, I, I haven't been for that long, but uh, but I have uh, in the last, uh, oh, I'd say in the last four or five years. Matter of fact, I got a couple of the uh, episodes that you did. One on, uh, uh, was on clearing, I think clearing your own, your your personal residence. If you came back to your home and you had to ensure that there was no one in the home, uh, I thought it was just an excellent uh, uh, piece of instruction. Well, thank you. We we did we filmed that one at Gunsight, which is always uh, you know since 1976 been one of the one of the great training centers for private citizens. Yeah, I have 24 of the the uh, NRA. Um, training DVDs, and they're constantly with me when I go out with the different hunting groups, 
and that's that's what we watch at night. Well, you know, you you mentioned the NRA, and uh, and I certainly don't want to start any kind of a brush fire here, but because no. because I really appreciate what the NRA does and their instructors and stuff. But a lot of times we get compared to them as far as well, are these guys NRA certified, or are they? Uh, do they have, uh, say, the amount of uh, of instruction that uh, an NRA certified person has? And uh, our instructors, uh, like I said, I don't want. I'm not uh, talking down about the NRA. I'm just saying that our instructors have uh, uh, even most of the the basic ones before they even get the range, the orange hat. Uh, they're going to have close to 60 to 70 hours of instruction before they get that. Now, by the time you get an instructor hat, the red hat, uh, most of those folks are going to have close to 100 hours uh, of instruction before they get that hat. So even though we don't have uh, uh, NRA certification for some of the guys, uh, we have a very rigorous program that we require of them to go through before uh, before we get them under a hat and in instructing. Now, some of the new guys, even the new guys, the orange hats, uh, they're going to have, they're going to have gone through uh, at least a couple of apple seeds, and then usually a two-day instructor's course uh, before they're uh, doing the uh, uh, the orange hat instructing. And uh, uh, so I just wanted to let folks know that we uh, we we maintain a pretty tight ship as far as making sure that our instructors, uh, you know, that they have. Uh, uh, a good deal of instructing, uh, I mean, a good deal of instruction before they are uh, on the line as instructors. Oh, I, I completely agree. I've I've gone to several of the NRA events and uh, over the years, and I am proceeding to an orange hat as we speak, and there's a a lot of work involved. So. Uh, I, I, there's not the, the two don't compare. They're they're apples and oranges, uh, but the, our training is is at, at least as as good, if not better. Uh, Mr. Ayub, when you like whenever you whenever you go to, or you, I'm sure that you've been through. Uh, I was looking at your bio uh, this last week, and uh, it's very impressive. But when you go to a course, like for NRA certification, and I'm not asking you to say one is better than the other, I'm just saying, well, like, what is a typical, uh, like, uh, like the rifle course, I believe, is is a two-day course to get certified as an NRA rifle instructor. Well, not having been through your instructor's course, I really couldn't compare, and I don't think it would be my place to. Uh, all I can say is both the NRA and certainly Appleseed, from what I saw, have excellent instructors. Right. Uh, for for me, it's less about the singer than the song. Um, right. I, I want to see more people trained. I want to see more people picking up the gun and understanding their rights. Either of those programs is going to touch on right to keep and bear arms issues and Second Amendment issues. I can only say I was very impressed with the way that Appleseed has woven the the history on a, a resonant personal level into their program, and that, that's something I'd really like to see get more exposure. And I'm doing what I can for that on my end. Okay, let me bring uh, uh, Oki. I'll keep Thanks. in touch with you about the uh, 
the adaptive section, and we'll get that worked out uh, for Oklahoma as soon as we get it uh, streamlined through the program. Wonderful. Thanks. Thank you for calling in, and thanks for listening. Certainly. All right. I'm going to take, let's see, area code 580-278. You're on the air. 580 278. Hello? Yes, you're on the air. Who's this? Oh, gee, I was just listening because I lost my computer connection. Oh, hey. How are you doing? Oh, pretty good. This is uh, Old Grunt from Oklahoma. Uh, he's an instructor with the program. Uh, and uh, he's actually one of the guys that uh, I was talking about earlier. Uh, Chris was a. Uh, is a veteran uh, of uh, Iraq, and he uh, he sustained some uh, uh, some pretty decent uh, body modifications while he was there. Matter of fact, you just uh, got out of another recent surgery. How are you recovering, Chris? Oh, pretty good, pretty good. Getting ready for that type of a conference that uh, the speaker is going to be holding in the next month or two at the United States Shooting Academy. I'll get a chance to see him once again. Hey, I look forward to seeing you there. Well, yes, sir, I'll be there. So you're going to be at uh, the uh, United States Shooting Academy? Yes, sir. I'm one of the range masters, and he's he, he's going to be holding a tactical conference later in the month. Oh, well, Actually, great. Tom Givens is running the tactical conference. I'm just one of the speakers. Okay. But it's, there you uh, go. It's going to be some really great uh, training there, and uh, if there's still openings, I'd urge anybody who carries a gun to sign up for it. Well, I'll be on North PPT. If anybody wants to shoot a red coat or two, I'll have some on me. <laughs> okay, listen, I talked to Josh, uh, too, a couple of weeks ago, yep. and uh, and they're filling out the – they they should already have it by now. They should have all the paperwork submitted for uh, for hosting an Appleseed event there at uh, USSA. Uh, yeah, Tom P. is really excited about it. He's ready to do it. <clears throat> well, I'm looking forward to that because uh, – and they have a great uh they have a great setup there. The first time I saw the, the the facilities from an overhead view, I was really impressed. It's uh it's really they've really gone through a lot of work in that place. It's a fun place to work at. I mean it's it's kinda like a golf course for guns. <laughs> well put. <laughs> and a challenging course it is. Uh, they have yes, one of the largest rangers in the country with the uh, very fast reactive steel. Uh, great facility and great people, great residents. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you very much. Well, what do you have coming up, uh, uh, Chris? What is your next event there? And also, I, I spoke to everybody. As far as I know, all the events uh, that we talked about should be uh, ready yep. to go. Yeah, we're ready to go uh, March 6th and 7th. The weekend of, That weekend we'll be at the Oklahoma City Gun Club, which is also known as Arcadia, which is one of the longest uh, F match places as far as uh, NRA shooting is concerned. We're going to be participating in it as well as uh, checking the range out on the 20th of the month. And then we shoot down to Badlands, which is the tactical facility that Bobby Whittington has in Oklahoma. We'll have that for the April 19th uh, weekend. And then we've got several other shoots that are going to be following anywhere from Salisaw into the Tulsa area all summer long. Okay. Well, that sounds great. Mr. Be sure until... Uh Sheriff Whittington, I said hello. Uh, I certainly enjoyed uh, 
uh, you know, spending the weekend there with him at uh, at Badlands. That was a great facility there. Well, have fun with it. It's a thousand yard range. If anybody's interested. All right. Well, Chris, thanks for calling in. I hope that yes, uh, I hope that you heal. You're on the prayer board at our church, and I hope that uh, you. you should be you should be starting to feel very soon because. Uh, uh, on Sunday we uh, had a, a prayer service and uh, and your name was uh, was brought up and uh, you should be starting to feel the effects of that very soon. We're a very small church, but we're very powerful. We're very tight with the with the Lord. <laughs> well, that's nothing with the AR twenty two is doing all the singing, so I'm ready to get down again. <laughs> all right. Well, thank Chris. you. Thank Chris. you for your service, Chris. Good hearing from you. Thank you. All right, uh, area code. Uh, Eight one two three three four. You're on the air. Hey, it's me, Tech Chris. Hey, Tech, how are you doing? I'm doing Welcome to the good. show. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I also wanted to thank uh, Matt for coming on the show. Uh, I've been reading his stuff since I was younger, and uh, you know the the stuff that he's written that caught me the most is the exact same stuff that Appleseed caught me the most, which is about mindset, decision making, what's important. Uh, far more than you know the the technical stuff, uh, which is also great, but uh, the criticality of mindset in our lives. Uh, you know, I got of, that. I got that from from the. Uh, I, I haven't been to a class with the uh, with mass, but I, I'm certainly going to try and work that into uh, into my schedule in the future. But I'd had do have the benefit of uh, television and. Uh, and watching that, that was just one of the things that really struck me was uh, the amount of emphasis that you put on that, and of course, how serious that is about about having about having the mindset to survive uh, a situation. On the end, Steinbeck was right. Uh, the mind is the weapon. The rest of it is accoutrements. Right. The because if your mind isn't right, if your mind is not. Uh, uh, number one, if you're not willing to do enough fast enough, uh, then you're putting yourself at a at a severe disadvantage. True story. All right. Well, listen, uh, Tech. Thanks for the work you did on the virtual muster. And uh, any idea on uh, uh, on the second strike of virtual muster coming up? No, I need to uh, I need to talk with you and Fred about the date on that. Um, uh, we'll probably be talking later tonight. Okay. Uh, what we did, uh, what we did was we had a uh, what we call a virtual muster, and that was uh, we just got the word out to to everybody. We tried to get everybody uh, who are members of the program who are involved, get them to come online just for a two-hour period, uh, so that we could put out as much information as we could directly to them. Uh, I know that you're familiar with forums. Uh, and uh, the forums are good for some things, but for the other 95 to 99 percent of things, they're, they're really bad. And uh, one of the things is is getting the information out to folks and giving getting a chance for it to be put in front of them. If you're I, not I looking at that virtual muster, and I was struck again by the the strong reliance on good old fashioned word of mouth. Right. Uh, right, one and thing your, your local folks might want to consider, uh, particularly in the, the less urban areas, a lot of the local newspapers 
will have an outdoors column in their sports section uh, that touches on hunting and fishing, reach out to those columnists and invite them out to shoot an apple seed. Uh, let, let someone, your local people, know from the newspaper. Tell them how cool this is and what a great experience it is for themselves and their kids. And that it, this is not something that they're going to read about in the forum that happens you know, in Texas or Pennsylvania or New York. This is something happening right where they live, that they can get a piece of that good action. Right, and and we we we've worked through all different uh, areas of promotion. Word of mouth is still the uh, the major one. It's uh, you know when I ask and I ask folks on Saturday morning, I said, "How did you get here? What brought you here?" And fifty uh, percent of the time, it'll be I came with him, and they'll point to the person that they came with. Yeah. Uh, that person brought them. He'd been to an event. And he brought them to this one, but. As far as media and stuff, you know, we print media. In the beginning, we didn't have a lot of uh, good experiences with that. The money that we paid out and stuff didn't work. But what I keep uh, talking to the rest of the folks on staff about is that the Apple G program is uh, it is a rapidly growing, a rapidly changing beast. And what worked or didn't work last year or even six months ago or even a month ago doesn't mean that it's not going to work this next month because uh, the more people that are here about the program, the better name recognition we have, uh, the more that we can ask for and get from folks in the papers and stuff like that. Uh, you know, when when we first started, it's like any organization that starts up. You know, there, there are groups that start up all the time. We're so-and-so, and we're going to do such-and-such. And everybody just says, okay, you know, because people do that all the time. But we, I think we've proven that we have we have staying power, and that not only that, but we're growing. So, uh, so contacting your the local paper is one of the things I always hit the local paper and the local radio. Uh, we've had we've had very good success with that. Even in our um, goofy little college town, uh, we've had very good write ups. Uh, because of if when we're dealing with the outdoors people um, and we we're sitting down with them at a table uh you know that's very different than uh some of the other reporters well ha- mr Ayub, how did you get started with backwoods home uh dave duffy uh the founder and publisher of touch bases with me about fifteen years ago uh he'd been familiar with my work. And Dave's magazine, basically, Backwoods Home, is a celebration of rural American lifestyle, self-sufficiency, independence. And what we saw was that it was, or what he saw, uh, was that it was a very good fit for Appleseed. And, of course, part of of his uh, belief system in this regard was not only the use of firearms as tools of rural living for hunting, pest control, personal defense, and all of that, but as a symbol and a cornerstone of that self-sufficiency and independence. Uh, Backwoods Home published in the, I believe it was uh, July-August 2009 issue, an excellent article called Appleseed Boot Camp by Susan Hogue. And she took it from the perspective of a relative newcomer who had been a casual shooter and hunter 
And she was just overwhelmed and absolutely loved the experience. And uh, the way I read the article, uh, she brought her mom, and her mom ended up with a rifleman's badge. So wow. it looks to, like looks to me like you've got a couple of uh, dedicated apple seeders right there from that one. Uh, Dave, thanks enough for the program that uh, he and uh, Annie Tuttle, the current editor, uh, decided when I do the feature on this one, which will be going into them this month, uh, it's probably going to be the cover story for the, uh, I think it's the March-April issue. I would have to check and look that up. But it will probably be on the stands uh, mid-April. Uh, it will also be available online at www.backwoodshome.com. Now, the three blog entries I've done, I checked today with the webmaster for that, uh, Oliver Del Senor. And he tells me there's been about 10,000 hits on that so far. Wow. Uh, the, web, the website, when the magazine article comes out, uh, will get probably close to a quarter million uh, hits. Uh, when you look at probably a readership uh, in the 180,000 range for the hard copy, uh, that message is, is starting to get out. Uh, I'll also be writing about it for uh, Guns Magazine. And Guns uh, is well over a quarter million, approaching uh, 100,000 in hard copy sales. And their digital edition, which is online at www.gunsmagazine.com, uh, generally gets 12,000 to 14,000 additional hits. So we're getting a little publication there. And basically it's because these are publications that share the Appleseed core values that you know, when a lot of us here were young, this country was known worldwide as the nation of riflemen. And somewhere between the Carter administration and the Obama administration, that kind of got lost. But there's a whole lot of us who would like to see that come back and would like to see come back with it the, the values that it symbolizes. Independence, local interwoven community support, and above all, freedom. Right. Right, the freedom... The, the the love of the nation, the love of safeguarding uh, the freedoms and liberties, and, and the, the, the self-reliance, being reliant on yourself primarily before you worry about somebody coming plucking you off, off the rooftop. Well, true story. And as I said, one thing that really struck a responsive chord with me with the Appleseed approach is so much of American history is... You know, you, you picture faceless men wearing funny blue hats uh, with smoothbore muskets, and you guys make it real. You guys bring it to the personal level. You guys make people understand the personal sacrifices that were made. The, the old man who sniped the British officers from 250 yards away with his rifle. The, uh, the little old lady that managed to capture six redcoats. <laughs> nobody, nobody teaches that in elementary school. My God, most people don't don't get that in college history. You guys have <clears throat> brought back and revitalized uh, something that absolutely plucks the heart of of American value and American virtue. And that's why Backwoods Home is behind it. That's why Guns Magazine is behind it. And God knows that's why I'm behind it. Well, I put links up to Backwoods Home and. Uh... I'll tell you, at first it surprised me to find your article there, but just as you said, I thought about it. The more I thought about it, I said, you know, that's exactly the place it should be, is uh, 
is in that in that niche in that uh, group of folks uh, with that way of thinking. So uh, I put the link up to uh, to the Backwards Home uh, magazine blog, and uh, I'm certainly going to monitor uh, the articles there and the, and the rest of the stuff there from the magazine too. Uh, I'm going to bring another The magazine itself is online at the same uh, location, uh, backwardshome.com. As you go to the home page, the magazine will be the centerpiece in the center and right. And on the left, you'll see the the different blogs. Uh, We have Jackie Clay, who may be the foremost authority on homegrown food and canning, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, We've we've got some pretty sharp folks on board. Well, I'm going to – I've got to tell you that I absolutely love – uh, that type of information, and uh, <clears throat> and we're going to be talking about that more in depth next week. But you know, I'm telling you that uh, that as a rifleman, you have a lot of you have a lot of duties. You've got a lot of obligations, and one of them, of course, is to ensure that as an individual, you're prepared and uh, that you're prepared to to take care of yourself and your family, and uh, always be working to better yourself, your family, your community, your state. And one of the ways to do that is to make sure that you are prepared for for any uh, eventuality that could occur. Uh, I'm sure that, uh, and I don't want to off-track us, but I, I am going to mention that uh, I don't think that a lot of people understand the actual frailty of our society. I used to think that it was a uh, was a like a a, a carbon a uh, diamond atom you know the framework of it was so intense that uh, nothing was going to break it and one of the things that brought me into the alpsy program was actually uh, Katrina and Rita whenever i saw how easy it was uh, to for the for the society to break down and uh, and realize that uh, it doesn't matter where you are in the country there's only three days of food wherever you are, whatever store. There's only three days of food in that store, and you better be there on the first day if you don't want to be eating dog food uh, because that's that's the way that we're set up. And uh, and having some idea and having some uh, at least a minimal preparation, uh, I think, is also part of your duties as a rifleman. You know, only those who are prepared and capable can help. And um, you know, those of us, it's funny that, that sometimes people read the capacity for preparation and the capacity for um, being able to take care of yourself as simply as an inward, self-centered thing when it's not. You know, There's a reason they tell you to put your mask on first so that you can help the guy next to you put his mask on. Right. Right, and I, it, my personal philosophy on on uh, on self defense even even reaches into uh, into the automobile when you're driving in it. Like I tell my my wife, and I, of course I tell my in laws everything too. I said when you're driving, when you're driving with my kids, uh, it's it's not a, if, even if it's not a state law, it's my personal requirement that you wear a safety belt because it's not that I care what happens to you, but you as the adult. Uh, have a responsibility to survive uh, the accident, to perform uh, uh, first aid on these children, on those that are depending on you. True story. If you think about it, it goes back to Shakespeare. <clears throat> and a lot of people you know, will memorize the phrases but not really look at the meaning. 
Uh, if you look at uh, Shakespeare's play Hamlet, uh, Polonius's advice to his son Laertes—it's the speech in which he tells him, "Neither a borrower nor a lender be." Right. He says to him, "To thine own self be true," and it's probably the single most misapplied phrase in the entire pantheon of Shakespeare's writing. People see that as, ooh, here's a father telling his son to be a selfish SOB. But when you read it in context, what Polonius says to Laertes is, to thine own self be true, for it follows, like the night the day, thou canst not then be false to any man. And what he's saying is, if you can't take care of yourself, how on earth are you going to take care of anyone else? That's it. That's it right there. If you can't take care of yourself, if you can't... uh if you can't have confidence in your abilities uh, to survive and to take care of yourself, then you're sure not going to be able to uh, to take care of anyone else. Uh, area code 802-394, you're on the air. Hey, Scout. Uh, this is Buzzworth. I hey, Buzz. You, uh, yeah, I met you up at the, in the pouring rain up there in Jericho a couple of years ago. That's right. That was my first IIT experience. I had, of course, been to a couple of Appleseeds before that and got my patch. And I got hooked in uh, because of the, the history really reeled me in. And uh, I have a hard time getting by talking about uh, Isaac Davis. I get all choked up, and I have trouble getting by that one. That's a real tough one for me. But that's what really gets me is the heritage. And I love that part of the program and the fact that it's a two-day program. And uh, uh, Mr. Ayub, it's an honor to uh, speak with you as well. I'm a big fan. In fact, I am an NRA certified instructor in everything except muzzle loading, reloading, and the new one, uh, personal defense outside the home. And uh, I hand out your book, Gun Proof Your Child with the Handgun Primer, that double book. Yes. I hand that out for free to... Uh, women who attend my uh, Women on Target program, which is an NRA-sponsored event uh, at our local range. And it has, has just changed uh, hearts and minds uh, all over the area where I live. Oh, that is a fantastic doing book. It. That book is fantastic because it's impossible to gun to child-proof your gun. It's, it's absolutely impossible. They have infinite time, you know? Yeah. And uh, they will find the key. They will get the combination, whatever. Just take the mystery out of it. And I like the part about have him clean them when you get home. It's even better. <laughs> it solves two problems there. It's well, great. Well, that did first it demystified uh, oh, an object that had that aura of glamour around it. And second, I, I figured, you know, I can trust my kid and I'm in charge of the gun safety here. And my kid is safe in an armed household. In a yeah. country where probably every second home had firearms. If they're playing at another kid's house and the other kid pulls daddy's revolver out of the night table drawer, I wanted my kid to know how to defang the snake. Absolutely right. 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 So. Yep, and the bragging rights, too. I can go to the range any time, and you can go, too, if your parents yep. say, okay. I mean, that's huge right there. It's huge. You bet. And, uh, uh, absolutely. absolutely. You know, when the other kid is saying, hey, let's play with your daddy's gun, that gives your kid the trump card. Right. Get it done right and not submit to the peer pressure. That's right. And I'm a big fan of your, your work there. I actually have a personal question to you, if you don't mind. Yeah. Uh, my wife is from uh, uh, Lebanon, uh, Middle Eastern Lebanon. Yeah. She came over in 69. Uh, She's curious if you are of Lebanese descent. Uh, close. Tell her I said, yo, homegirl. 
<laughs> All uh, right. <laughs> my grandfather came over in 1896 from Damascus and Western Oh, okay. Australia. But it's, it's about the difference Next from door, ancestors yep. coming from Vermont to New Hampshire. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, we, she was curious about that, and I told her I'd ask you if I ever got the chance. Well, there you are. So well, I put uh, the, I put that. Uh, and I know you probably don't get a cut from Amazon, but uh, Blog Talk has a deal worked out with Amazon, which means I can, uh, I can access Amazon and uh, and put uh, the books and stuff up there. And I, that was one of the books of yours that I put okay. on the, on the Blog Talk site was the uh, yeah. Gunproof Your Kids. Yeah, that's the first book I recommend to new shooters. Uh, and then later on, if they actually feel that they can and should carry a handgun for self-defense, I point them to the in the gravest extreme. Because it's a mindset. That's the whole thing. And it's better to avoid the fight if you can. The matchbook with the $10 bill in it is a great option if you got to. Here in Vermont, of course, we don't require any... Uh, concealed carry permit whatsoever so anybody can carry with no training and that can be somewhat problematic but what our range do does and what i do is i'll offer uh training to anybody who wants it pretty much for free on a, i won't do the nra course for free but i'll give them uh get them familiar with the firearm safe with the firearm and uh, comfortable and then if they uh, we offer the women on target uh course for free because we get a grant from our local state uh association it's just a terrific program but uh, as far as appleseed goes uh that's also a great program too it's because it's family oriented it gets mom dad and the kids on the range i can't tell you how many times uh dad brings the family but mom doesn't want to shoot so i'm always sure to have one of my four loaner rifles unreserved for just such an emergency and i try to talk mom into getting down on the mat and shooting i got everything she needs to do to get in there and by god they get in there and they shoot better than some of the sons and dads too it's yep. really it's pretty good and they they finally bond and i've actually uh had a group join our local range and i've gone i usually shoot uh informally on fridays and i invite anybody to come up and shoot with me in a for, in a structured way and uh, there they are. And they came on their own, mom, dad, and the kids, and they're shooting on the mats and uh, doing it right. And uh, it was really uh, heartwarming to see that happen. They they picked the ball up and started running with it on their own, and that was just really great. That is wonderful to hear. You know, one, yeah. one thing people miss with this whole aura of the gun as deadly weapon is, is right. shooting is one of the few true life sports. You can That's teach right. little kids to do it. You can. Some of the finest marksmen are senior citizens. Yeah. Uh, we got they one tell, more. They tell me the Appleseed legend says the highest uh, score you've ever had in the AQT was some guy in his seventies with a small bore twenty-two. There's a guy up yeah. here shoot, shot two forty-eight. <laughs> we got one more person I'm gonna try and squeeze in real quick because they've been on. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Area code eight hundred five. Yep. Take care. Area code eight hundred five five two six. Hi, it's V. Um, just wanted to put a quick shout out for, for Bob 210's hard work this weekend. The Pyro shoot is going to have a television crew there. Uh, they're going to be filming for the American Trigger Sports Network, and they're going to be putting that show out. That's an internet streaming TV uh, group, and so they're going to be putting that out in a few days after that. And then just personally, I wanted to say real thanks to, to Matt. I'm a, a British shooter. I read his stuff back in the 80s, back in the U.K., 
Um, and definitely, you know, I lost my shooting rights, so I grew up on him and lost them at the same time, and I'm not doing that again over here. So, Appleseed well, rules. Drews, brother, I'm glad you came <laughs> over. Yeah, we, uh, we've got a great guy. This is uh, on the forum. He's known as V, and uh, he does a great job out in California. Uh, and uh, I'm wait, I'm, I, I sent him a message today saying I'm really looking forward to uh, to speaking to him or listening to him do an event out in California so I can see it done with uh, with the uh, British accent. Oh, you're all welcome to come anytime. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, we're... Uh... That's going to be a little touch of cognitive dissonance, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but now, of course, that's one of the, the fallacies that we talk about, too, though, is uh, is the fact that... Uh, is the uh, the idea that... Paul Revere was riding through the countryside, number one, alone, and number two, that he was yelling, the British are coming, the British are coming. Because, of course, at that time, it would have been a really ridiculous thing to yell because everyone was British. Was British. Yeah, they, they, wouldn't have, they wouldn't understand what what that meant. And uh, so I'm really looking forward to that. Listen, folks, we are we're out of time. We're actually one minute over. Uh, there's actually a, a, I don't think you guys can hear it, but on our phones there's a, uh, there's a British lady that, uh, <laughs> that counts us down out of the, out of the show. Uh, I want to thank, first of all, Mr. Ayub for, uh, for doing the show tonight and for much more than that, for the articles that he's been doing and for all the work that, uh, that you've been doing, Mr. Ayub, for the seventh step, what we call the seventh step, and that is when you leave the event going home and taking what you've learned there and spreading it out to others, spreading the information out and the word out to other people. And it uh, sounds like you've been doing just an excellent job on that, and I want to tell you how much we really appreciate that. You have a message that deserves to be spread. Thank you. Well, thank you. And thank you for the great articles you did, and uh, we really look forward to uh, to continue working with you, to continue having a relationship with you and your folks. I want to thank all the callers who've called in, all the folks that listen to the show tonight and uh, who make this possible. And uh, and remember, next week we're having uh, Jack Spirko on, and uh, I look forward to seeing all you guys then. Uh, okay, all the callers, Mr. Ayub, thank you so much uh, for all that you're doing and for all that you've done for the program so far. Thank you. All right. Good night, everyone, and we'll see you this next Tuesday. All right, folks, we're looking forward to uh, to next Tuesday's show. So uh, be sure and tune in, and we'll have Jack Spurko from Survival Podcast. He will be on, and uh, he will be talking about what a rifleman uh, needs to do to ensure that uh, he is prepared for any eventuality. All right, thanks, everyone, and we will see you uh, next Tuesday at 7 o'clock Central Time. God bless everyone. Thanks, Scott. Okay, you guys take care. Thanks to everybody, and I'll see you guys this next Tuesday.